It's 11.59 on Radio Free BTC. This is your host, Joe Fi, with music and the truth till dawn. Right now I have a few words for our brothers and sisters behind enemy lines. The chair is against the wall. The chair is against the wall. It's 12 o'clock, Bitcoiners. Another day closer to victory. Stay tuned for news and more right after this quick break. Welcome back, Bitcoiners. This is Joe Five. Uh, today I wanted to talk to you about something near and dear to my heart. Uh, the little island 90 miles off the coast of Florida, Cuba. And for those of you that don't know, I'm a, as a child I grew up in Florida. I had many friends that were Cuban refugees, children. And so, you know, as a kid you just hear the, uh, oh, you know, fuck Castro, things like that. I heard a lot of that in their houses, but uh, never really had a clue what was going on uh, until, you know, much, much later, you know, when Obama opened up the trade sanctions and, and restrictions and whatnot, uh, we went down there for a trip. You know, we were down there, I think, almost three weeks. And it was a real crash course on on communism and how uh, that, um, how much the Cuban people actually suffered, which, uh, you know, even, even just in my sheltered American life, I really didn't fully appreciate how much they had been suffering. And, you know, I, I'm not going to get into the politics of it, but I wanted to bring your attention to, and I'm sure most of you know, this wonderful, wonderful article written by Alex Gladstein. He titled it Inside Cuba's Bitcoin Revolution. And, you know, I, I, as those of you that know me or, you know, the ones that I've talked to, I'm an absolute pacifist. I, I hate war. And (laughs) the, the idea that we could do something about the tyranny that hap- is happening and has been happening for 60 years in Cuba without firing a shot, without having to assassinate a president and all the great things that our fucking CIA loves to do. We could do it simply through Bitcoin by giving people freedom, freedom to personal property, freedom to save what they've earned, to save their time it is just absolutely amazing. So today... I just wanted to go through I, his article is fantastic and check down below because I'll link it below. Uh, and also Guy Swan did an audio version of it too, because the reason I wanted to talk about it and kind of give you guys a TLDR too long. Didn't read. It is a monster of an article. It is. I think I did a word count on this thing. It was like 11,000 words. Uh, you know, Guy Swan's reading of it, I believe is, you know, an hour and 20 minutes, something like that. And I just wanted to give you the uh, 10,000 foot view and really encourage everybody that's listening to go read this or listen to it. You don't have an excuse. You you know, if, if you say it's uh, too long to sit and read, you can throw it on your uh, car as you're driving or listen to it on your way to work. So, but that being said, I will give you the cliff notes versions because uh, this is a podcast by a pleb for plebs. And maybe you just want the uh, the TLDR. 
so to begin with, Alex Gladstein starts with talking about uh, some of the uh, current conditions in Cuba and and tying them back to the 90s, uh, which they call with which the Cubans call the special period, uh, which is good to know what it is, because it was a great time of uh, suffering for Cubans. And he starts out pretty strong with it here. And it's just good to, uh, he's just laying down a base reference uh, where to see things through. And then, uh, you know, his first section here, he calls it monetary purification. And he goes through quickly, or sort of uh, how the Cuban government has basically ripped off their people big surprise there right uh ripped off their people and he goes through the functions and how they actually did it uh i don't know this is kind of uh it's kind of uh getting into the weeds a little bit for for what i want to do here but but basically what to take away from this is that the cuban government created two currencies and because because the Cuban people were dollarizing anyways, they the Cuban government recognized that and they did not want a dollarized economy because that is the currency of their enemy. At least that's what uh, Q- Castro thought. <laughs> but uh, anyways, so what they did to, uh, to, to kind of squash the dollarization of the Cuban economy, they created the... Uh, convertible peso so the convertible peso uh was pegged basically one-to-one with the u.s dollar and the government made it illegal for the average cubans to use dollars and they had to convert everything to the cuc which you know i'll call the cuck (laughs) but uh once once it was converted to that the all the hard money aka the dollars uh went right into the coffers of the communist party of cuba allowing them to basically weather the storm and uh so so that that's been the system that the uh communists have implemented and run in cuba for god since i believe the 90s check since 1994 uh that is until just recently so recently they they uh decided to scrap the cuc program and switch over to an what they call the mlc program which basically is a digital version of the cuc but you cannot take the lesser form of their currency, which is the peso and the CUP, uh, and convert it to MLC. You have to, if you want more MLC, you have to have a foreign hard currency. And up until Trump ended the uh, lightning or the easing of tensions with, with uh, Cuba, this could be done in dollars. But uh, that is gone. So now it has to be done in euros uh, or some other currency. So anyways, but uh, 
probably getting too deep into the weeds here, but where this article really starts to get interesting is is where Alex Gladstein in the second section starts talking about the people and how the people of Cuba are finding ways around all this bullshit that you know the government creates these centralized governments and I guess you don't get more centralized than the communism but the centralized governments uh, with all their bureaucratic bullshit they uh, still cannot stop Bitcoin and so so in the second section here he talks about his interview with a woman named Lucia and it's fantastic because uh, she talks about how she was orange-pilled by the Kaiser report and that's uh, near and dear to my heart because I, I would uh, classify myself among the same ranks as Lucia as Max and Stacy and the Kaiser report was one of my first uh, exposures and uh, really, really helped me take the orange pill. And, uh, but uh, so Alex Gladstein in the article, when he's talking about Lucia, talks about how since the Kaiser report is on RT, which is Russia Times or Russia Today, they, they somehow, the you know, the powers that be in Cuba, the censors or whatever, allow it because they still they still consider it uh, Russian. If it's Russian, it, it, it must meet the uh, propaganda agenda that they'd still carry out today in Cuba. But so so basically Max and Stacy are broadcast live or not live, but they're broadcast on Cuban state television orange pilling as a trojan horse all the people of cuba and it just warms my heart to know this and uh so so in this article he goes on and uh you know she she says tells alex gladstein that you know that they uh max and stacy taught her she could be her own bank and she's been using bitcoin to save save money which had she done this in the uh, CUC or you know anything, even dollars, she would have lost money. But uh, the fact that she was able to be her own bank uh, in a, some small way helped her save save money, but more importantly, time because time is money, and the only non renewable resource in this world is your time. And these governments and people that want to steal your money are stealing your time and that that that's the most criminal part of it when we get into inflation and things like that is it it's stealing of your time is just it's stealing your life it can't be give, given back so when these people print these print all this money in like the country of Cuba here which says oh give us your dollars and we'll give you this fake CUC or we'll give you this MLC or whatever it's called <laughs> They, they are stealing their people's time and that that is what you can expect from a centralized government and they love to do it because they're bureaucrats because they're monsters that they they don't care about their people they never have and all they all they are empowered to do is to promote themselves and to steal from their people as you can see from this article and some of these examples that Gladstein puts down, Bitcoin 
is the way Bitcoin fixes this. Bitcoin fixes governments stealing from their people. Communist regimes like Cuba have to provide service, and if they don't, the people will find a way around that, and that is what the Cuban people are amazing at, is finding a way around the BS of their government. So moving along, uh, Gladstein gets into Cuba's history of economic misery, and I'm not going to get too deep into this, but uh, I think we all know that the communist government of Cuba and the economic history is a very dark one. Uh, he does touch on, you know, Castro's promises. He touched on how El Comandante's promised the people's revolution, but quickly descended into tyranny with concentration camps, thousands of arbitrary executions, secret police, surveillance state on par with East German or North Korea and political prisoners. Uh, I think that sums it up. I think that sums up communism, but that sums up uh, the, the whole tone of his section three here, Cuba's history of economic misery. Uh, he does touch on again in this section, you know, the, uh, the dual currency and how that was used to uh, control people or, you know, at least steal from the people. Uh, the fourth section is Cuba's human rights crisis, which it's a pretty bad one. It's a pretty dark, pretty dark history when you talk about human rights and he gets into the, you know, a lot of the big brother stuff and how they really controlled their people. And this was all, you know, he does mention a few times here and there that this was all pre-internet before people didn't have a way to know the truth, find the truth. And, you know, so that, that, that's where, where he goes, you know, in a nutshell, keep in mind, everything I'm saying here is in a nutshell with the, uh, the human rights history of Cuba. Uh, then he gets into the embargo. Uh, section five here is called the embargoes ongoing impacts. And, you know, basically, the the embargo, you know, he, he talks about how that Cuba, basically, it becomes impossible for people to send remittances or very, not, not impossible, but it becomes very hard for especially Americans to send family members remittances. And, you know, th this is another, he kind of ties it in where, you know, when it comes to the remittances and stuff like that. That was another reason that they wanted to move to the MLC program, which is just another way uh, to stop the money flowing out of Cuba. Instead, it all flows to the government. So, you know, he, he gives the example of uh, buying an air conditioner. And, you know, and when I was in Cuba, this was very, very common. They, they would pay a mule or their people whose entire career it was to go back and forth between, you know, Panama or Mexico or, you know, if they could, the United States, just to bring things back. And he talks about, uh, you know, th this was a practice where so that somebody that needed the air conditioner would pay the mule to go to Panama and buy them an air conditioner. But those dollars were spent and stayed in Panama, and that, that was not helping the uh, Cuban Communist Party so they created the MLC program, and, and now they are stocking stores uh, with hard-to-find things or, you know, 
not as an American, not what we'd consider hard to find things, but as a Cuban, they it's the store, it's their Walmart, it has the essentials, and but the only way to buy things in these stores is with the MLC again, and the MLC, keep in mind, can only be purchased with foreign currency. In the next section, Gladstein goes on to uh, describe uh, his interview with Eric Garcia Cruz. Uh, somebody is known as the one-man CNET of Cuba. And he talks about how, how Cruz uh, got into Bitcoin. And, and, and Cruz goes on to tell him that, you know, that there is no PayPal, no things like the Western Union. And Cruz started a business called BitRemesas. And... It all started when Cruz in March, keeping listen to the timeline here, and this is why I love Cubans. In March of 2020, Cruz made a popular video exposing a pyramid scheme uh, that was called Trust Investing. I think it was just some other shitcoin. I don't even know if it was a shitcoin or if it was just some type of another Ponzi scheme. And... So Cruz, with his platform in Cuba, exposed that, and he said that that's when his people exposed him and said uh, that he needed to learn about Bitcoin. Again, that was March, March of 2020. So that's when Cruz here went down the rabbit hole, and being a true Cuban, by September, Cruz launched a business called BitRemesas, and so what is that? Seven months, he went down the rabbit hole and started his first Bitcoin business. And there's Cuba to a T, in my opinion. But so so BitRemesas is just a, uh, a way for Americans to send Bitcoin. And he does the conversion and pays, pays the Cubans in a very... Uh, fair way it's it's an interesting he goes into you know how it's a, like almost a reverse auction of what people are willing to do to the exchange for and things like that uh very neat and like i said i i my takeaway from that and it just kind of makes me laugh a little bit is from going down the rabbit hole to starting his own bitcoin business seven months uh the next section is called building a bitcoin economy in havana and you know what? I mean, he just gets into a lot of examples here. Uh, talks to a guy named Jorge, uh, who has a different Bitcoin company. And uh, Jorge talks to him about uh, some of the arbitrage that people in Cuba do. He uses bit refill, uh, which is funny. It, it, you know, I just think of it as a gift card site, but for somebody in Cuba, it offers him the opportunity to, to arbitrage because uh, if you pay for things in foreign currency, which the gift cards that I, I'm, I'm assuming that he's buying from BitRefill are foreign currency gift cards, which he can pay for with Bitcoin, uh, he can get a massive dis discounts and... Uh, just work the arbitrage in between what uh, what he would pay and things like that. They even go on to talk about how they're now in Havana. There's even a, 
a meal delivery service, uh, very reminiscent of Uber Eats that people are running with Bitcoin. Um, also, another uh, business that uh, pre-pandemic, you know, which has basically ground tourism to a halt. There was another business. Uh, this was, I believe, the Jorge's business. I, I'm not sure. Like a booking.com. So the booking.com type thing, I don't think it was booking.com. It, it uh, basically let the landlord or the owner of the Airbnb property, instead of getting paid through Airbnb, they, they would get paid through the service and it would allow them to go around and not get the official exchange rate offered by the government, which these businesses such as Airbnb and booking.com are required to pay uh you know the the one quote i i really enjoyed out of this from the jorge guy was this technology goes around blockades and government restrictions it allows us to move value without trusting anyone it connects you to the world and it allows you to empower yourself and do things that otherwise are impossible so i i think that uh you know, if you needed another reason, that that is just a, another reason to be bullish on Bitcoin. And so basically he wraps it up uh, about uh, a new Cuba is coming, talks about how, you know, if if the Internet stays on, the Cuban government will eventually fall, which I believe I. I believe it's more than the Internet, I believe it'll take. Bitcoin and the internet, but uh, I, I like it towards the end here. He ends with, a, or he doesn't end it, but he has a quote from a Cuban poet, Jose Martini, Martin, Martini, I don't know, uh, that quote, rights are not to be taken, not requested, seized, not begged for. And I think that's... Uh, I think that's what Bitcoin is enabling Cubans right now to do is to seize their freedom, to take it away from these despots and communists. And, you know, again, I'm going to link to all this info below. So now that I've uh, gone over this article here, just wanted to add in a bit about the breaking news that uh, the Cuban government says that they are going to implement some type of regulation and reforms around Bitcoin, which keep in mind, they are a communist country. So my hunch, and we, we, we will see, is that they're just going to incorporate Bitcoin as a rail to top up MLC. And I'll bet they, they will do it at a terrible exchange rate, uh, and that they will, again, they will suck up the hard currency from their people in order to fund the defunct communism of the island. But we, we will see. I mean, may, maybe uh, maybe this is the beginning of the end, or maybe this is the beginning of a new era for the Cuban government. But you know, as we say so often in Bitcoin, don't trust, verify. And it, it's yet to be seen what impl implementation the uh, government of Cuba will take with this. 
But to wrap, to conclude all of this, it doesn't matter. Bitcoin fixes this. Bitcoin fixes brutal communism, dictatorships. Bitcoin fixes this. The, the, uh, the hard part as a Bitcoiner that we need to remember is even though we know we know in the long run we they don't get to win we will win this bitcoin will win we know that it's just a question of how long it will take which can be frustrating and we just need to all resolve ourselves that sometimes things take longer than we'd wish but in the end they don't get to win so I will be back next week. Thank you for listening, and I will see you later. Peace out.